0: If you've ever wanted the sexual fantasy of being, like, split in half, basically, by dinosaur dick, then there's something on the Kindle store that will help you with that.
1: hello everyone and welcome to house of bards we are a podcast about role playing and game mastering and all that good stuff lots of tabletop goodness here um i'm beth and i'm alex and today we're going to be discussing the sort of beginnings of world building the the kind of not necessarily how to world build but perhaps where to start what have you and yeah
0: this topic was provided by you in the comments of our youtube last episode we bemoaned yet again the fact that we run out of topics easily and now we've set up a google doc and everything it's very organized yeah and we've put all of this well all i say all most most of the things that that you suggested some of them i didn't really understand or they were kind of crap sorry yeah, but, it just but most of the yeah. things, most of the things, and given a very small number of you actually suggested a number of things, uh, I think everybody has a topic in there now. Um, mm-hmm. So this this is a suggested one, and, and it, did, it did occur, uh, I think, to Beth first that we, we did talk about this a little bit, didn't we, in, in episode one in the Getting Started podcast.
1: We have discussed <laughs> even aspects of this briefly, so... We do have episodes specifically on entire topics of world building. We've got magic, we've got technology, um, but we do have it also on getting started, but it, mm. it is a good place to um, kind of go from Getting started is and, kind of
0: shit, anyway. So it was the first time yeah. that we did this. The audio quality yeah. is really, really bad because yeah. our equipment yeah. was yeah. not so good, yeah. and yeah. we're kind of just talking all over the shop because, of course, it's got to be an introduction oh, yeah. to the podcast as well as like yeah. to the concept of world building and we don't want it to be too dm heavy whereas this episode I don't think we really care if it's too dm heavy yeah. it's kind of a dm yeah. thing i have yeah i think there's some things we can talk about where it's like players can assist in world building
1: absolutely no yeah but
0: it's this is mainly a dm thing i think so
1: i think the first thing is there are two types of world building there is i want to gm a game with this system and i need to build a world or i want to build a world cuz normally they provide one for yeah
0: you. it's like there are a number of very very good existing uh D settings if you just want a space in which you can run something a number of them yeah, also for, have very yeah. large undefined areas if you want to like run your own thing but you don't yeah want to deal with having the whole world
1: yeah but that's D D, for example mm. you well know, i think most like, other
0: settings do do have yeah, that they do yeah like warhammer like, fantasy um, roleplay has it uh call of cthulhu has like real life and so does the world of mm. darkness yeah. yeah and traveler has i i traveler has like a specific setting i think yeah that's
1: cyberpunk has its whole like not so not cyberpunk though i imagine cyberpunk does but both cyberpunk and Shadowrun do of course oh uh,
0: definitely although shadow runs again they're... is like th- yeah setting notes because obviously it's 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 very it's changed a lot but it, it's still yeah. the real world i think if you really don't want to deal with any of this pick up a game that uses the real world. Most of them are science yeah. fiction, but obviously the world of darkness isn't. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can, you can do that. And then, yeah. you know, your world-building tools are like maps. and mm. Yeah. Like, maybe even Google Street View.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other side of it is, I have an idea of the type of world that this is, the type of sort of tone and genre that this is going to be so I need to pick a system for it or I need to be able to fit my world around this um, system now that's what I did, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because you have to kind of chop and warp and change bits and some things you have to be like that doesn't go in the setting at all so it needs to go completely or whatever but yeah, there are the two options are you have a world already or you want a world hmm. And then that's the fun thing is
0: that in terms of those two, uh, you have a world already. That is what Beth did with Two Earth, whereas Dawn Mm Sombre is you wanted to make a world, Mm. Uh, and Dawn Sombre has changed uh, over its development. It's changed Mm. D and D systems for a start. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So I mean, which do we want to talk about first?
1: Um, we'll we'll let you go first.
0: Right. Cool. Um, so over a year ago now, oh, well, over a year ago, um when I was still playing second edition, and fifth edition d and d had not yet come out. um I believe that the beta for d and d next was over, but we hadn't yet gone to the got to the point where the system itself was released, and even when it was released, um there were some issues about like getting hold of materials for it. so anyway, um back then. Uh, I, I think I told this story on the getting started podcast as well, but this is the origin of, of my world so so we'll, we'll talk about uh, about that again. Um, I wanted to write a very self-contained scenario to see if I was okay about being a GM. So I, uh, I wrote about an island. It was a very self-contained plot line uh, and the box text, if you like mentioned two other places other than the island because the idea was that you arrived. the island which uh, later became the Isle of Bells uh, and you were coming from somewhere and you were on your way to somewhere and those places became the Kingdom of Varash and the Republic of Meslin because those were the obvious plot hooks once I decided yeah I do want to continue with this and expand this outwards um, to like start with so I think that's a really good place to start probably it doesn't have to be an island. Uh, I chose an island because it's obviously very secluded, but you could also have just maybe the middle of countryside because then all you have to do is describe the countryside and there's nobody really in the countryside because it's not like industrialized yet. To be honest, even now there's like areas in England which is not a non-densely populated country mm. and certainly areas here in Northern Ireland where you definitely can just be like walking across fields and... You see small signs of life, but there's no real, like, town or city nearby. Northern Ireland is very non-densely populated. I don't know if that's particularly relevant, but that's that's why I was more specific about that. Um, So, yeah, I, I started off with, with one scenario set on that island. And then, like, every time I make a new scenario, or well, nearly every time I make a new scenario, I sort of expand the lore of the, uh, of the setting. And there's a point, I think, when you've done three or four scenarios... Where, if you've done it right, what you've written already starts to sort of knit itself together, and then you can come up with things like arc villains and like the lore of the setting itself and uh, stuff that you, you you want to be happening that will you know tie certain scenarios together. So, I think once, do uh, uh, mm, to talk about it this way? I should mention um, Dawn Somber's development is tied very closely into Magic the Gathering because I would generally be inspired by whatever particular uh, Magic the Gathering set had been most recently released at the time I was doing any particular bit of heavy world building, which is why there's now this big... um, like legend around dragons in Dawn Sombra. There's this big myth about where the Dragonborn came from because around about the time that uh, Fate Reforged or Dragons of Tarkir came out, I was needing to integrate uh, Dragonborn properly into the setting. I think they had existed there before, but there was no real explanation as to what they were or why they were there. And I felt there kind of needed to be one because they're kind of a weird thing. So uh, what I came up with is that there's this, this myth... I say myth, it's like the problem with having a setting with elves in it where the elves live for like 750 years is that not a lot of things are myth because they're generally pretty well-recorded history. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like uh, 800 years ago or so, um, there were these three dragons who were sort of horrible creations of um, Scared Around the God of Dragons to just fuck shit up. And they were the representations of uh, chaotic evil, neutral evil, and lawful evil. And the neutral evil one led this army of uh, dragonborn, who he magically created from other races, to attack the elven empire, and was betrayed by his brother, the uh, the chaos dragon, and, and uh, killed. So then you've got like dragonborn, and the best thing about that is once you've started off with like grander like uh, myths like that, you can start extrapolating um, more terrestrial stuff, like the relationships between different uh, species and like different cultures. From that, for instance, I was like, okay, pretty much everybody is distrustful of the Dragonborn, and the elves openly hate them, because the Dragonborn were Jekarax's army that he literally engineered in horrible experiments from like other uh, sapient beings, and they were built as an army to attack and destroy the Elven Empire. And like, obviously this has been like 800 years for the Dragonborn, but for the elves it's like... There's nobody alive now who was alive then, probably, but there are definitely people who would remember their parents having been in the war. Mm. And so it's... I compare it to, like, Vietnam veterans a lot. Yeah. It's not an exact fit, because obviously the cultural situation is different. Um, Mm. Vietnam is quite a long way away from the United States, um, and the attitude towards Vietnam veterans in the United States was different, but... Like the point is, it's it's still like relatively recent, even if it's maybe a generation out now. So that's like that's that's where um, that sort of stuff comes from. And I think the fun thing about that is, if you can see what the connections are there, it's very very easy to write um, the more nitty gritty stuff based on the bigger stuff, mm. which otherwise you would have to do separately, and it wouldn't make a lot of sense because some of it would not connect up properly, and this is all that nonsense. So. Try and get good at that. Um, Try and get good at at thinking what big things have happened and how does that affect the way that people relate to each other on a lower level. Yeah. Uh, Beyond that, um, one thing I like is how uh, I can partition up the world uh, or as much of the world as I've already established for like depending on what kind of story I want to tell. For instance, if I want to do something um, that thematically would fit into, like, it's a sort of gothic horror thing, so it would fit into, like, uh, Ravenloft or Innistrad from Magic, Uh, I have Varash for that, which is cold and frightening and full of horrible ghoulies, uh, but also full of, like, horrible institutionalized oppression from a ruling class of nobles. Varash is a shithole, so all of my shithole scenarios take place in Varash... (laughs) Um, there's also, uh, if I want to go horror, there's um, Harvest Night, which is Halloween, basically. And we'll talk about that a bit, I think, next week. Um, mm, but yes, I,
1: next week.
0: But that's uh, that that's much more in the north, and that's where I can have, like, dales and... Of
1: course it's in the north. No,
0: I mean, like, around... <laughs>
1: no, I mean, I know. not Not even, like, in mean?
0: the equator, but, like, slightly yeah. south of that. And it's, like, hills yeah. and dales, and it's it's very much, like, countryside with farms on it and stuff like that. <laughs> which was appropriate for the kind of story that I wanted to, to tell in a very, very quickly written scenario about Harvest Night. Mm. Um, and then you've got, uh, I think maybe we'll talk about this a bit more when we want to do like nations and factions, but um, yeah, you've got like a whole load of different methods of government. For instance, um, the Elven Empire is an empire with an emperor, but it wasn't always. Uh, it has had like a, it has been a, a republic with a senate, and then you have Meslin, which is a very new republic, uh, and Varash, which is a um, absolute monarchy. And then you have the Isle of Bells, which is like honestly, the Isle of Bells is best compared to like Gibraltar, maybe. Not not even Gibraltar, <laughs> actually. It's 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 weird because it's not not really an overseas territory, but it's basically yeah. too small to have a huge amount of like independence. Mm. It's it's kind of it, w- weird.
1: Like like run by um some manatees in a tank. Um It's like, honestly
0: probably run with like
1: laws written on like balls and like they throw them out. And it's like, okay, what are the manatees decreeing today? We're legalizing marijuana, yeah.
0: It's honestly probably like run by the Rangers. By run by run yeah, by yeah, the Rangers yeah. except explicitly, if you ask people who runs the, it, it would be the Bell Planners Guild. Yeah. Um, and the Bell Planners Guild probably, like, pay for all the guards and stuff, but yeah. basically they never really say anything that isn't to do with the bells, so if you're not interested in the bells, then, like, most of the actual community building is done by the rangers. <laughs> or by the guard themselves, <laughs> who probably cooperate yeah. quite closely with the rangers.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I suppose you so, could have that the like, Isle of Bells so, is essentially an anarchist state. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say that sounds like anarchism to me. Jim <laughs> makes a lot more sense now. But it's so a, that's tiny, a tiny, tiny
0: uh, nation with only two yeah. settlements. One yeah. of which is minuscule, and yeah. the other of which is like still wait, not even the size of Belfast. Mm. Honestly, probably just slightly larger than a village. Let well, go. Um the kind of thing you don't think about. obviously, that's important for Dawn Summer's world building because so many of my um scenarios are about toppling oppressive governments
1: they are aren't they yeah i try
0: and like steer away from that but honestly like the two kind of plots that i seem to have are toppling an oppressive government or literally saving the world from some horrible like occurrence uh yeah. and currently players are kind of too low level for that yeah well i say toppling an oppressive government like um the The scenario about the Elven Empire is not really about that, but an impressive government is involved and can be toppled during the progress. It's just not like the point of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And um, there's also the uh, the Dwarf Lord Mountain scenario, but that's kind of different. Yeah. Um. So what would I say? I would say, if you're gonna start from foundationist principles, look at what you want to have in your world. And how that's mm-hmm. going to have to mesh with the uh, system that you want to use. Yeah. So, you know it's... for instance, Dawn of Massage is as a second edition um, world. So I was like, I want explanations for where all of these races come from. So I think second edition was there were no half orcs, but I wanted there to be orcs and half orcs anyway. Um, mm. Then there were humans, elves, half elves... Halflings, dwarves, gnomes. That might have been it, actually. I think, actually, that might have been it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that was kind of your restriction in 2nd Edition. Because I know 2nd Edition didn't have half-orcs. 1st Edition did, but 2nd Edition didn't. And I imagine there's a lot of like weird history and stuff to do with that. But I was like, no, I want orcs anyway. So I, I wanted uh, to have orcs, and I wanted my orcs to be different because of reasons I've already explained. Like, you can go back and listen to the Villains podcast. I was just listening to it this morning. Uh, That one is reasonably good, and you can understand what I'm saying. Um, And I talk about, like, why I didn't want Orcs to be like the Orcs in the Monster Manual, and why I think that's kind of gross. Um, But with the shift to 5th edition, I was like, ooh, what have we got here? We have three new player races. Four. Four new player races. Uh, Tieflings, Dragonborn... No, three. Because gn- gnomes were already a thing. Uh, tieflings, Dragonborn, Half-Orcs, but I was prepared for them. And Drow. And I was immediately like, no. No, no, drow. We're no not, drow. We're not having Drow. Drow live in the Underdark. Dawn Sombra doesn't have an Underdark. I've already established that. Which is not to say that it doesn't have a giant subterranean matrix where horrible things reside. It's just it's not the Underdark and Underdark things don't live in it. Mm. Um, other things do. And I really don't like Drow. So that's the thing. Like... Decide how much of the system you want to have, and how much of it you want the setting to preclude. Um, For instance, uh, my setting precludes drow, and it also precludes uh, great old ones for warlock um, patrons. Mm. There's a replacement, but the replacement has to sort of occur organically in the course of the story, if you like. Like, they don't start out with there being any. Mm. Um... So, yeah, it's down to you as to how, how much you want to give the system and how much you want to like tweak it to the way that you want. For instance, I've talked before about the way that magic works in my setting, which isn't quite in line with the way that D&D, either version uh, that I've used models magic, but I like it. So, try and put some of yourself into the setting, especially given the alarming frequency with which uh D settings are later turned into fantasy rpgs by people who go into video games and it's, uh, <laughs> it's true <probably> yeah better <laughs> that you put some of yourself into your settings just so that they're not all the fucking same yeah um so yeah um after a while players start sort of driving the generation of of new uh material themselves like they, yeah. they start saying hey i want to go here um One thing I recommend is, uh, is it the University of Warwick, the University of Nottingham? Uh, I'll put a link in the description uh, for the tool I'm about to describe, but um, essentially it's this uh, map generator tool that generates a, you could call it a world map, so long as you want your continent to be an island. And I find that really helpful just because it allows uh, my creativity as to, you know, this is what this looks like. and then once you have that, you can start like populating it with bits of the world, um, so like pop in basically. If somebody wants to go off in a direction, you'll be like, okay, what's over there? Let's make something up.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and obviously, you can ask players for ideas based on like what they want to see, and then just mm. be like, okay, that's that's canon now. Yeah. There's definitely once you start running games in this setting, there's a lot that you can do with like working with them to um, facilitate world building um but from the ground up what are you going to need you are going to need a setting so first of all you're going to need to i would say start with one particular country if you're going to go as big as a country what is the environment like in the country there mm. are a variety of different biomes uh, i have um snowbound tundra is varash um swamp or marsh is uh meslin general like Hostile but otherwise uninteresting countryside terrain is the olden Empire, with mm. big spines of mountains through it. It's it's essentially the north in uh, both England and America. I think I'm pretty sure that the uh, oh yeah, the, there's lots of mountains in a you know unremarkable but slightly hostile terrain in in the north of the United States. But
1: the, I don't think that's fair to the American countryside well, question quite a mark. Lot of, it, America's a beautiful landscape lots of big mountains I don't know where the Appalachians snow. are Ma- maybe it's because
0: or the Rockies
1: I'm like northern I think the Rockies are in the like
0: fuck divine it a warmer it bit. doesn't matter like think
1: you know what yeah who gi- who right. gives a fucking anyway, shit about America England, not us <laughs>
0: in England uh, you have the Pennines up in the north of England and mm. the rest of the countryside around there is fine like you look at it and you're like yeah this, this is fine
1: this is countryside, yeah, yeah, but
0: it's like the weather is uh, more hostile than what you might find in the south. Yeah. Um, so even though it looks largely the same, it's like, eh, I would like to be inside now, yeah. and that's <laughs> that's that's pretty much the whole of the L yeah. Empire.
1: Yeah. Well, whenever in the UK, whenever we get a uh, weather for- forecast in the north, it's always like mist is coming in from the Pennines. Because well, like Pennines
0: fuck everything up because like clouds yeah. float over them and the tips of the Pennines just slit them open. Yeah, That's and like, it's just
1: like, sh- ah, all the cloud insides are coming out. The fun yeah. thing
0: is, I've just realised that I live on, like when I'm at home, I live on one side of the Pennines and Beth presumably lives on the other side of the Pennines. I'm, so, I must do, depending yeah. Depending on which way the wind is going, one of us is going to get the rain that passed us clouds over the other one and then just the mountains yeah. slit it open and you're... Uh, you get rain.
1: Yeah, I th- I know that I um I live quite near the moors in England. Uh, well, part of the moors. I'm not that far away to sort of Yorkshire and the Humber. Moors really. are great. I, like, could...
0: I I really really love the aesthetic of the Yorkshire moors.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet you do. Uh, I got dragged there so many times as a kid that now whenever I see see the moors, I'm just like.
0: Anyway, um. So yeah, the the Yorkshire Moors, I think, probably like north of the Dorf Lord Mountains, uh, which mm-hmm. I haven't done a huge amount in, apart from like one Halloween scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so start with um, what particular climate you want your uh, your country to have. Uh, oh, Roland is a desert. I, forgot, I oh. forgot. so yeah, you can have you can have desert, you can have tundra, you can have maybe you come from a country that the major. Um, biome is not really any of those things and then i mean if you wanted you could make uh, your country's biome which would be what your players would be familiar with or maybe you don't want to just because you live there does not mean that you have to do that i've mentioned it before but it's it's good to mention again i think um donjon.bin is a really good uh, website that will have a whole load of tools both for world building and for um environment relation to monsters so it it has this tool where you can basically list um, any quality about a monster from the 5th edition monster manual um, including environment, which is not actually listed in the monster manual itself you're kind of supposed to intuit it and um, then it will show you all the monsters based on challenge rating or on uh, environment or whatever Hmm. and uh, then you can populate your countryside appropriately Uh, okay, so we've got our our uh, nation, now we need some people to live in it.
1: Absolutely. And again, another topic we've touched upon. Yeah, so... But it's this sort of thing. People tend to, in terms of personality and attitudes, reflect the geography around Hmm. them. So northerners in the UK are a bit, you know, rough, like the landscape can be, you know, you know, but, you know, beautiful as well, uh, like the landscape can be. And a uh, socialist, like the landscape, can be. That's the north of England.
0: I mean, you've you've taken this in a completely different direction from where I was about to take it, but okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, you will have to think about that, but more basically, yeah. Um, how do people live in this environment? Uh, yeah. um, possibly they don't. And if they mm. don't, you're mainly going to be doing like dungeon crawls or some yeah. shit, sort because of, if people don't live there... Uh, you got to find some ways to amuse your players that don't involve people living there. Yeah. But how do people live on the land? Maybe the land is very resource scarce, in which case people probably live on it just by, like, travelling around, um, going yeah. where there's food, maybe moving with animals.
1: Yeah. Like, um, I-, I think sometimes I kind of think about this in terms of the cities and stuff, because any country is going to have, you know, ideally it's going to have some form of, you know... Coastline, which is where all your fishing's gonna be done, right? As well as all your trade from other countries. Death is
0: apparently unaware of the concept of landlocked countries, but okay, sure.
1: Well, yeah, but okay, let's pretend that, like, well, yeah, but landlocked countries then have to bring in fish from, you know, somewhere. So, roads or rails or something. Or rivers. Which you can get fish from. Sure. It is very, I think it is difficult though when you live on an island which is what England is, a part of. It's an island with some other countries in it. It is difficult to think of countries that are landlocked. I know they exist, obviously.
0: Ireland is also an island, and it's even smaller than Great Britain, but I don't have any difficulty whatsoever thinking of landlocked countries, Beth. I think that's just you being weird.
1: No, okay, fine. If you
0: think that Beth is being weird and should probably just stop talking, uh, please write... (laughs) To uh, House of Bards, Points, that's all bo- one word yeah. on Twitter and multiple words on Tumblr. Or oh, write uh, in the comments, probably.
1: Yeah, we'll do it on a supplementary called Points of Bard. <laughs>
0: um. Please don't make me more, make me make more supplementaries. I still haven't considered like what I actually want the aesthetic for them to be, so they just sort of start. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, you... Yeah. you yeah maybe they move around maybe there are like very obvious points where people would converge naturally and those points will become settlements um Mm, maybe there's a river that's a major thoroughfare or um has anybody ever played dwarf fortress if you've managed to not pick a terrible place for your fortress in dwarf fortress you have a vague understanding at least of why people might settle in a particular place
1: yeah it's like when you play Civ, though, isn't it? You put your country where the best resources are, or you try and do that anywhere. And if you don't do that, you whine the entire game about the fact that you've got a really shitty role for placement. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> or in Age of Empires 2, where you build palisade walls around all of the nearby resources, because otherwise, particularly if your uh, allies are computers, they will come and try and take them all. Yeah. So you just want to expand your city as quickly as possible just so that you can, like fence in all of your resources
1: yeah but you know generally people settle along rivers that's why cairo is a thing right it's along the river nile i mean there are other places in egypt obviously well yeah but, but it's along like a
0: particular and the thing is it will change quite drastically depending on what particular resource people wanted and what Mm. kind of basis they wanted it on. Some of the resources that people want, like, they live there because the resource can support them living there. And some settlements, particularly in America, uh, and in places along the Americas in general, are there because there was a resource, and people needed to live there while they acquired the resource. That's why there's a whole load of Mm. of towns in the United States that were built during the gold rush.
1: Yeah. It's also why you get ghost towns as well, because when a resource runs out, people are like, Why are we here again? We should probably move.
0: Generally, it's because people move away because they can't. Like, because the resource ran out, there's no more money coming in.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So,
0: like, maybe they really like the place, but they can't really afford to stay there if there's nothing, like, actually allowing them to live.
1: Yeah. Or sometimes they all die, but that's, again, because the resources ran out and they couldn't get any food. Are we going to talk about Jamestown again? We're going to talk about Jamestown again. Yeah, think think. about
0: Jamestown. Think about what a fucking terrible idea that was. And how everybody there died. Uh, Maybe you can have one of those. So, you know, that's the sort of thing you have to think about when you're going to populate a nation with people. It's like, where would they live? Um, The Keep in The Keep on the Borderlands. People live around The Keep because The Keep keeps them safe. The Keep is on the Borderlands because if it's on the Borderlands, it can receive like input of imported goods and it Mm -hmm. can oversee the caves of chaos and all of the surrounding area to determine whether people there would be attacked there does not seem Mm -hmm. to be a huge amount of point otherwise as to why it's there
1: yeah it's also not completely improbable for people to settle in areas that are risky like some people do live near volcanoes because to them the payoff of having really fertile soil is a boon it's like worth it Some people live in very cold, harsh areas, but maybe there's an ore available that they can dig up and, you know, so some people do live in areas where you think, why would anybody build a town there?
0: The other fun thing is that if you have already established um, what the relationships between different peoples and cultures are in your world, you can be like, these people live here because they are persecuted and this is the only place they can live. For instance, Mm. in Doronsumber, literally all Dragonborn live in Shearscale Pass, which is one valley in the Dwarf Lord Mountains. That's mm. all Dragonborn ever retreated north. Like, you still find Dragonborn, like, individually elsewhere, but, like, that's where all of them live, and it's where they have to live. Yeah. Even though it's a terrible place to live, like, very little can grow there, and animals are difficult to hunt, mm. but they have to live there, and it's shit.
1: Yeah. Well, that's even in, like, a town, isn't it? Like, there are places of towns that aren't so nice, mm. but. It's the only place you can afford. And then some fucking hipsters build a cereal cafe and suddenly the rent goes up and it's like, ah, now I have to move and find a shittier part of London because the landlord raised the rent.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) so then consider also, once you have both of those things, what kind of problems do these people have that could be solved by the party? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe they are a small village and they're being attacked by wandering monsters. Mm -hmm. Maybe they require a particular resource which the party have to go and get. Maybe they require protection from bandits or something of the sort. Mm -hmm. Maybe they require escort because they are a traveling people. That kind of thing. Think about that Mm -hmm. because the conflict will drive the scenarios that you actually write until they start just going of their own accord. Yeah. think also about how your party is going to interact with law enforcement
1: yes Um,
0: we should maybe do a podcast about so your party got arrested because that happens a lot in my games
1: mm, it hasn't happened to you guys yet because of like you've got protection effectively so it hasn't happened yet Lim-
0: Lily but, doesn't give a shit
1: yeah it will day. <laughs> I'm sure of it someone's going to break the law at some point in the wrong country in front of the wrong people
0: well, my entire party on Tuesday just got arrested uh, for heresy, <laughs> which is wow. Um, it is illegal to worship gods in the Elven Empire because
1: that's true. Um, yeah, that's true. I think
0: we talked about why in the uh, the gods and religion episode, and yeah. um, one of the party members is a cleric, and this was found out, and uh, all of the party members are now going to prison <laughs> for uh, collusion,
1: just for just for daring to associate, yeah, just for with a cleric. Wow.
0: Also, one of them is a crocodile now, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So
0: it really comes down to, like, once you have this world, um, the world is going to need a bit of lore, uh, a bit of Mm. mythology, I think. Um,
1: I'm super into my lore and mythology. Yeah, Yeah. because
0: the lore is going to drive, like I've said, a lot of current attitudes, and it's also going to drive stuff like, um, maybe you want there to be epic artifacts in your world. Yeah. Where do those come from? How are they made?
1: Yeah, I I think it's always one of those things to kind of consider, um, especially when you're kind of thinking of dungeons and stuff like that. What could have made a dungeon or dungeons in this world? You know, like what civilization existed here before that left all this cool shit? And
0: Maybe there aren't any civilizations that existed before in the world. Like I've seen that seems to be gaining traction quite a lot because it is a fairly common trope that there were the hugely advanced people who disappeared. And just people are like, no, I'm not going to have that. I'm going to have you are the people who will eventually become the hugely advanced people. And maybe then you will disappear. Mm. And I also have that. Like, there's a little bit of it in that there's um, the Dwarf Lord mountains, which are abandoned. But dwarves, like, still exist. Yeah. They're still around. Um, The Dwarf Lord thing, they don't really do anymore. That sort of pieced out after they left the mountains. But... um, The Dwarf Lord thing was great because it was a a source of epic artifacts of the world. It was this idea that in Dwarvish society, at least in the mountains, um, every so often this sort of uh, natural, either military or cultural leader would just sort of arise from any caste, any class, just somebody. And then that person was always guaranteed to make, at one point in their life, a masterwork that sort of embodied them as a Dwarf Lord. So you have things like the hammer of Yashfaram, which is this giant hammer, like 15 feet long, that can only be carried if the wearer is literally a giant, because um, he had a relationship with a a uh, wizard who would make him really big.
1: <laughs> Aww. I- that must be great for a dwarf, because the Oh so no, was, I
0: say little. relationship, it was a very professional relationship, there was no...
1: No, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, but like being a giant and stuff, yeah. oh, it's been nice. Um,
0: and you ha- also have Cassia's Skybook, which is, Lord Cassia was an astronomer, and she wrote this very well-bound book, but the work is the book, which basically predicts the movements of the stars for like the next 1500 years, and provides mathematical mm-hmm. formulae to predict their movements after that. Yeah. <coughs> and, uh... Stuff, stuff like that, and that was really good. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why I decided they stopped doing that after they left the uh, the mansion. I think it was possibly because I didn't really want players to meet like a current dwarf lord.
1: Yeah, that'd be awkward.
0: I just didn't really know how to and play then, them.
1: Yeah, and then like maybe they've went a bit like Doolally, and you have to like fight them, and the fight's really annoying, and it goes on forever, and like, oh man, it's just like man, I should have saved my Lyrium. We're Potions, talking about fucking but...
0: Dragon Age again. God damn it, Beth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're I'll never in stop!
0: Dragon Age.
1: <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Paragon Branca. I can't even. You know what though? Javier was still the worst bo- boss fight. She was awful. Oh, as far
0: as I'm concerned, it's all the fucking deep roads, so it's all fucking terrible. I hated the, the deep, deep roads so
1: much. I oh, no, I did the Archdemon in one fucking shot, okay? Paragon Branca took me like four tries. I- it was ridiculous. I think she took me two tries. Javier took me like ten. It was stupid. anyway minor boss fights
0: (laughs) oh yeah um so is there anything in your world that could mean a boss fight i think maybe we'll we'll talk about that in beth's section a little bit
1: yeah i mean i i don't necessarily know about boss fights there's definitely very powerful people there's a few in particular um do you
0: want do you want to talk about um what's her name the mini-boss fight who I just completely subverted. Tara! Tara, yeah.
1: Tara. Oh, Tara! Yeah. Tara was a young half-orc, really. She was 17. Um, And I guess she'd been misled by uh, Lucian Bartello, who, like, none of you even are like, he's not going to be a boss because he's a goddamn coward. Um, But Lucian Bartello is basically like... Imagine a combination of... Victor Frankenstein and Victor Freeze, and that's that's Lucian Bartello. Oh, with a little so bit, he
0: just a l- mopes about literally everything and doesn't take any responsibility whatsoever for his own fuck ups.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> and his wife is dead.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have ice powers, I don't think. I mean, he might have isn't ice he powers like a wizard,
0: Probably he could, could he have, have ice, ice powers power. if he wanted.
1: He could. It's possible he has ice powers. Among other things. Among other
0: things. But Tara...
1: Tara... I guess she'd been misled by, effectively, her mentor. And so she corners one of the group because they decided to do a, let's split up gang. Though so I guess in an ideal world, you'd have had... Th- Azriel would have had Thry with him. Oh, it's Realistically, me.
0: Let's, yeah? let's, let's make this clear. The person who was on their own, with Tara, is me. Yeah. Asriel, So, she's, like,
1: watching because she, she's a prefect. Because I, I feel like Alex wanted to get rid of the annoying um, teacher well, character. Asriel
0: wanted to get rid of the annoying teacher character because Asriel is keeping secrets from the rest of the group, and he didn't want yeah. somebody who <laughs> would have reason to interact with both him and the rest of the group to, like, talk about it. So he yeah, was like, hey, true, if, yeah. if somebody <laughs> has to watch me in this room... While I search Bartello's room, can you just get like an unrelated student?
1: Yeah. Oh my god, we can't talk about your secret, can we? No, wait, we can talk about your secret because you did it in front of the group.
0: Uh. No, I... Can we talk about it? No, I mean, the, the group know about it. Well, uh, the group. the yeah, group, the know, group about know about it, it out don't of they? Character. They just don't know about yeah. it in character. So yeah. we can
1: talk about anyway. it. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, Tara, you know, goes like searching around for things and he finds like some, uh,. Sal- Salacious is that w- that the word pictures of Lucian Bartello drawn by his wife. I don't know wife? if it's
0: particularly relevant what he finds, but yes, that was <laughs> that was what he found, and uh, he had the spirit of the wife in question in a crystal ball with him. That happened. That's yeah. part of the re- the secret he's keeping. Yeah. But this is about yeah. Tara, so let's not get off track.
1: Yeah, and Tara's like, actually, you thought I was a good person, but now I'm about to get really serious. She closes the door. It's funny because like when she shuts about- the
0: door, like when Asriel hits the door shut, he's immediately like, fuck.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think about this. You checked literally everyone else, like all these minor characters who I hadn't even thought about. You were like being really careful and then you just let your guard down for that one second. The problem is, I I think the issue
0: is that Asriel believed that he created Tara in terms of Tara's presence in the in the narrative because he asked for, ta- yeah. for, well, not Tara's presence specifically, but the presence of, like, a prefect or whatever. So he didn't consider Tara a threat because he didn't consider that she would have any reason to be there if he hadn't, like, specifically created her presence.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, so she shows up and, like, is like, right, so we're, we're, we're going to initiate a boss fight now. Oh, I think Tara is and a then- mini
0: boss at best, but still, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then Asriel just goes, no. And, One of like, the
0: spells that Asriel frequently re- memorises because he's a death cleric, and though death cleric's few options are kind of good compared to other necromancers, they're still very, very limited, is the spell Command.
1: So he just do, like, submit, and Tara's just like, shit, I guess I have to, like, not fight anymore.
0: She failed her save.
1: And it's just like, I, ju- I was like, right, okay, well... I guess I better think of some things for Tara to say that are important and will drive the plot along instead of, you know, just dying. This is an
0: important thing, Mac. Sometimes you're going to have to world <laughs> build and develop characters or places on the fly in yeah. response to unexpected player actions. So be prepared to make shit up and be prepared to try and write down bits of it that you think might be important.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Tara was just like, yeah, my mum died. Uh, well, she was crying at this point. She was like, yeah, my mum died and, you know, he said he could bring her back and junk.
0: And Asriel's like, uh, they there. I'm yeah. sure you would have murdered me really proficiently, probably. <laughs> this is kind <laughs> of a weird situation. I Actually, you
1: know, you, you're on your own. She was a pretty strong character, so I think she probably It doesn't matter whether you. or
0: not she would actually have murdered him very proficiently. The problem is... It that, matters
1: to me, Alex! The, the, the
0: actual problem at hand was that he was like, I feel compelled to comfort this child, but the thing I am comforting yeah. her about is her own incompetence in murdering me, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know yeah. how to handle this situation.
1: Yeah, so, Tara.
0: Uh...
1: But, uh, Yeah. There are definitely people who are boss fights in this. Um, Whether you'll meet all of them or not, I'm unsure. Because, like, you're on a particular track now and it kind of depends after you're done dealing with Lucian where you go. And I think I've said this before, it depends on what you do next. Because, like, this is is a long haul arc. This arc is going to last quite a while. uh, With distractions, of course, but it's going to last a while um in terms of levels and stuff so it's like yeah so it, it 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 depends really because one of the problems with dungeons and dragons is you're like i have this idea in my head and you're like they should probably be about level five to fight this monster otherwise they'll all oh, die definitely. I yeah
0: <laughs> in the prisoner pit splinter at the end Tordelson, the high sorcerer comes out as a dragon there is basically no way that a group of level one PCs can fight Tordelson in his dragon form. I have run that scenario yeah. once where he was successfully killed in his human form by one of the PCs <laughs> grabbing him around the waist and pinning his arms, and then jumping off the bridge. And because Tordelson's arms were pinned, he couldn't like cast because this was second edition where wizards, where sorcerers didn't have the option to like ignore yeah. verbal and somatic components to their spells.
1: Yeah, where well they, well they had to do like their ninjutsu hand movements like on Naruto mm. with like the...
0: Or some shit.
1: Or some and, shit.
0: And uh, so they, they both plummet to their deaths. But I think you guys just ran away from Dordalton. Yeah. And the, the, the that, fun that thing for, to one me is that that means... Um, oh yeah, if you're going to run your... If I have any advice at all, it's this. Don't run the same campaign for two different groups. It's really tempting... It's like, oh, well, um, I can just reuse all of this material that I had. No, don't do it. It's going to cause you a lot of problems later on. I mean this specifically in terms of, like, two groups who you're still playing with. Um, The main reason is because if you run the same campaign twice, you're then maintaining two separate um, alternate universes, if you like. Uh, Just as an example, um, because of what I, I said, the... I tied the one shot that I ran, the Prisoner of Pit Splinter, uh, as into the main continuity of the instance of my game uh, I run on Tuesdays. That means in that instance, uh, Grand Sorcerer Totalson is dead. In the one that Beth plays in, Grand Sorcerer Totalson is alive, and that messes a whole load of things up.
1: It just does, doesn't mm. it?
0: Because it means I hadn't thought it about means it. That yeah, one of the eight factions in the uh, the Veresian um, civil war doesn't exist. Because Total yeah. not there to fuck shit up.
1: Yeah, dang! I never thought about it that way. And then you got the other guy.
0: things like um, there's an entire town in one of the one uh, one of the, the the instances, which either doesn't exist or does exist, but has a completely different origin story, uh, depending uh, on because like that town was founded by throwaway PCs. Hmm. Uh, whereas that town i i think it does exist i, I think just for co- convenience's sake i will say it does exist but it will it's called the town of three gods and which gods that means depends on like your continuity mm. because in the original case three gods were the three gods that the three clerics because for for some reason when that group did the uh the cube they were all clerics uh decided to worship whereas it probably exists, and it's still called that in the other instance. But like, it's not—it's not those three gods. It's a different three gods. Yeah. It's very confusing.
1: Yeah. Although, I—if you love like parallel universes and stuff like that, go ahead with that kind of a thing, because I—I love parallel universes. I feel that at um, some
0: point I'm gonna pull a like um, crisis on Infinite Earths or some shit and uh, <laughs> yeah. just merge the two universes together.
1: Oh, man.
0: We're into like weird cases where it's like the PCs from one instance presumably do exist in the yeah. other one because, for instance, um, something we can probably talk about in a minute is uh, Jay and all their siblings. Um, yeah, Octavia, her dad is the arresting officer in the arrest that has just been done on the Tuesday group. Like his whole job is patrolling the waters and stopping pirates and smuggling and all of that shit. So, despite being mainly a background character who serves as a reason for existence for another of uh, Jay's extended family, he also turns <laughs> up in the other game, presumably still having that daughter. Yeah. Which means like, that Wanda exists, which means that Jay probably exists. Yeah. It's it's all very Man. confusing. So, yeah, despite...
1: <laughs> Crisis on in- Infinite Dawn do, do not
0: Do not run the same campaign for two s- simultaneous groups. Don't do it. Yeah. Like... Write new stuff and set it. Like, maybe you want to time skip the universe just so that, like, one group will be working in one era and one group will be working in another. And that would be kind of cool because then you could have one group, like, learn history about the actions of the other. But you're still going to run into some problems if things that you assumed as universal constants in one game turn out to not be so constant in the other game. Mm -mm. Like, maybe your earlier group get really really powerful and kill a god and that god is still (laughs) around in the other it's the kind of thing where pretty soon you'd be working in time travel and all that shit
1: yeah
0: don't do it it's not worth it
1: Um, Yeah, unless you do think it's worth it in which case the fuck do we know
0: (sighs) maybe like me you can just about keep up and yeah Yeah. sure do it but I feel that Um... if you have the materials and time to keep up probably should have been organized enough to have a different campaign ready in the first place. Yeah. Maybe your situation um, changed like mine did and that's why I am a massive hypocrite.
1: Yeah. Um I think in terms of now I did it I reverse engineered uh, Dungeons and Dragons world essentially didn't I? Yeah. Two Earth existed beforehand, um, didn't it? Yeah, Two Earth is eventually I will finish writing the book. The book in its current format was originally very different because most of the groundwork, especially concerning the elves and um, thieves, and the sort of thieves guild stuff, actually started out... And the nomads as well, actually. Actually started off as um, this um, porn novel I was going to write and put on um, the Amazon Kindle store. Um, Yeah. Right, Death
0: confirmed for thirty-three. Um, what? <laughs> and living in a middle-class household with not enough to do.
1: I wasn't employed at the time. To be fair, like you know, I was like, you know what? There aren't enough of fantasy-based erotic stories about elf men coming to terms with their sexuality. Maybe at the time okay. they weren't,
0: but Amazon Kindle has really taken off.
1: I mean, yeah, they've re- they have really solved that problem. Um, not that I would know.
0: Well, I'm, but, I'm aware, um, despite having, like, I don't own a Kindle and I don't read these things. I, know, I yeah. just know that that's a lucrative business venture yeah,
1: now. The, oh, yeah, the, the the monster porn market has really, really took off in the past few There's years. There's shit
0: about dinosaurs and all. Um, if yeah. you've ever wanted the sexual fantasy of being, like, <laughs> split in half, basically, by dinosaur dick, then no. there's something on the Kindle store that will help you with that. Yeah. I mean, it yep. will enable, anyway. if I'm not sure entirely, it's so... that's the help that you need. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, anyway, that's initially what it started off at, although I guess in my mind it was intended to be classy, but I kind of got bored after the first chapter. I was like, am I really gonna write a short novel about an elf getting fucked? Like, is that really something that I'm going to write about?
0: I mean, the Beth I know like, would write it.
1: I mean, yeah, but, like, these are fan fictions or they're, like, one shots or whatever, you know. And I'm like, am I really going to do this? But I had some other characters who who I was using for another thing that, again, kind of got abandoned. And the idea was that um they were going to be a kind of... They were going to be in kind of a short form webcomic. And it was about four Doctor Who fans who in, like, actuality would actually fight real aliens. So it was kind of like taking their fan life and then applying it to their real life and, you know. And I liked the characters in that, but I didn't really like the story in that. The story was kind of like a throwaway gag, and I was like, eh. And then I took these characters, and I kind of started to develop them a bit more. And then I went, you know, what if I took the world from my porn novel and I took some of the characters from... Like, my slice-of-life sci-fi webcomic. And I kind of put the two together. And then I kind of developed the world from there. I kind of went into their governments, their societies. Um And really what I focused on in a big way was, like, the myths and um gods and um folklore. Because that's the kind of stuff I really like um, in other people's fantasy worlds. And also in our world. I spend a lot of time reading books on folklore and mythology and stuff. Because... Um, you know, it's what I like reading up on. So obviously I was like, if I'm going to have the opportunity to do this for myself, I'm going to really go for it. So I kind of did. So I was like, okay, new Pantheon, Um, where do all, you know, my favourite mythological creatures live in relation to where they are? Why do sometimes creatures from this area of the world show up in this area of the world? Why is that? Um, and that kind of a thing. Um. And that was very fun for me. And then it was about kind of the kingdoms and the noble houses and the kind of societies in thereof. And then kind of the fantasy kind of human analogs. And I think humans are by far the biggest race in Two Earth. And it's kind of like humans have always been there. Like I know a lot of fantasy worlds like to have it like humans are kind of a new thing. Minor. humans have kind of been around for a while. They're as old as dwarves and elves in terms of how long they've been around.
0: Dawn Samba, humans are newer than dwarves and elves. But although they're probably still newer than uh gnomes and tieflings, they haven't, like, those races didn't really turn up in the society that knows about humans until humans were established as a thing. And they're definitely yeah. older than Dragonborn as a race. Like yeah. Dragonborn, the f- funny thing about Dragonborn is that Dragonborn are like... There are people alive who remember that their parents lived in a world where Dragonborn didn't exist. Yeah. And in fact, actually, in one of the instances, there is actually a person who remembers... Of course, there's vampires and shit who are just kind of immortal Yeah. And oh remember, yeah. but there's also like... I did this weird thing um, during the uh, uh, Dwarf Lord Mountains scenario... Where because the dungeon was a sealed thing and it was completely deserted essentially what happened is that 600 years ago um, the dwarves used magically turning people to stone as a form of imprisonment and Mm. a whole load of new characters who needed to come in because it was kind of a meat grinder that scenario um, came in uh, and were arrested and were turned to stone and then they had like 10 day sentences or whatever but during that time the entire civilization collapsed and so they wake up 600 years later to a group of chumps holding the uh, the reverser wand. They're <laughs> yeah. just like, you've been turned to stone for 600 years, and uh, yeah. this is 600 I- years later. And it was funny, because I was like, which one of these is going to become Steve Rogers, and which one is going to become Javik? <laughs> and I, it was answered... <laughs> De- definitely the Javik. And the Javik is an elf. In my cycle. The Javik is an elf who does remember when Dragonborn Yeah, he remembers he remembers the war. So he remembers yeah. when he was a kid, Dragonborn didn't exist.
1: Yeah. Um
0: And he's really racist as well. Yeah. And he's also like really Man. a downer on the Third Empire because he lived in the yeah. Second Empire and he thinks well having a republic is better, having an emperor is shit. So he tries I, to murder the Emperor.
1: I I think you know Man, I'm just sort of remembering how much I love Javik now. I'm really sad that he's a DLC character, so people may not have witnessed Javik.
0: I really like Javik as well. Man,
1: Javik's great. In my cycle, oh man, it's like, oh man, it's Grandpa Prothean here. What kind of racist shit's gonna... What what kind of racist shit you're gonna say about Solarian's Asari or anyone else today? And it's just like, in my cycle, you used to eat flies. Oh, in my cycle, you were all fucking idiots, Mm. and you're still fucking idiots now, not much has changed then. And Hanar
0: is like, oh my god, a real Prothean, and he's like, we didn't honestly even think about uplifting you, as far as I know that was a mistake, like a sort of side effect of us doing something that we were doing while completely ignoring you.
1: Oh man. But yeah, I, I love ah. that this elf
0: just comes out as Javik and that he's he's just really annoyed with everything he finds.
1: Yeah, in my cycle. In my republic. In my empire.
0: In my empire.
1: <laughs> in my empire. <laughs> Great, I love it. It does actually weirdly that does actually remind me of like the attitude like the first time that Steve Rogers got woken up in comics, mm. right? They just defrosted him with hair dryers. are you serious and he like woke up on the plane and it was like hi cap you've been asleep for 20 years are you okay and he was like what the fuck i'm not i i'm pretty sure they woke him up with hair i'll have to find the panel but yeah so
0: was this in the
1: 60s this would have been yeah the 60s maybe the 70s no i'm pretty sure it was the 60s Mm. so yeah you'd have been asleep for. i like how like
0: the longer it goes on the more traumatic captain america's defrosting <laughs> becomes
1: <laughs> i'd really like it in 10 years time when they inevitably like have to redo his um waking up storyline again mm. cuz every 10 years really they need to update the characters to keep them like relevant like i think tony stark was born in the 80s at the minute so in the next 10 years he'll be a 90s oh, kid no. <laughs> and start making pokemon references i know right
0: iron man will become um, the memes
1: yeah, and the war he will have been um you know, traumatized and done his character development in will be the Iraq war probably. Mm. So yeah, have fun with that. I'm pretty sure it's still the Iraq war at the minute actually. It's just it'll be later on in it's the Iraq War, because that's how or long Iraq, that thing it? went on. Yeah, I think I think it's Iraq. No, it's Afghanistan at the minute actually. Mm.
0: Um I like how um John Watson went full circle on that. Like original Dr John Watson and Sherlock Holmes is injured in afghanistan when yeah. the british empire was fighting in afghanistan and then like yeah. sherlock john watson is in the war in afghanistan and gets injured in that yeah i mean it probably I, wasn't it, it... worth having fighting in afghanistan just for that neat little bit of, of cycle while while that's happening sure
1: yeah um god what a anyway so I, I would really like it in like 10 years time when they redo captain america's origin story if like he was defrosted with the hairdryer although in 10 years time they'll probably just be able to like 3d print something to like get him out of that situation right like a, a three like they 3d print a hairdryer and defrost him that way mm. that's what'll happen in 10 years time when they redo captain america's defrosting are you suggesting
0: that in 2025 people just like 3d print anything that they need and like don't use anything more than once because i feel hairdryers <laughs> will still exist <laughs>
1: I feel like that's something that's definitely going to happen. Because, like, if you're like, man, I've lost the TV remote. I know, I'll just 3D print a new one, right? It's not how
0: 3D printing will work in the future.
1: It, it is totally how 3D printing will work in the but future, But you do know that you, just,
0: you can't just 3D print things out of thin air. You need, like, the actual materials. And, like, maybe in the future people will just be able to use, like, any kind of matter so they can use, like, rubbish broken down into atoms. But that's not going to happen in ten years.
1: I... Th- okay. Fair enough. But I think it could happen. So, 3D printers are great.
0: <laughs> they can print anything as long as you want everything in your life to be made out of brightly coloured plastic, smell a bit weird, and be <laughs> porous as shit.
1: I was going to say, actually, um, that like you would think that like I played Dragon Edge before I created Two Earth, right? Yeah. But I didn't. I played Dragon Edge after I created Two Earth. You'd be like, oh wow, Beth, really? Because your elves are really similar, and I'm like, fuck off, I'll fight you to the death.
0: Whereas, like, my elves are the exact opposite.
1: Yeah. There's only so much you can do with elves. My elves used to be immortal, they're not anymore because of the fair.
0: My elves used to be immortal, it's ostensibly, but it's kind of grey as to what exactly immortality yeah. meant then. Yeah. But now they don't because of the souring, and the old gods aren't there anymore.
1: Yeah. I think they. Like, in this, elves just maybe they live a bit longer than humans, but they don't, you know, they're not particularly special. But I know I had to do a lot to kind of fit it into D&D, because firstly I had all of these magical classes to contend with. I had warlocks and wizards and um, bards and clerics. And I so remember I told you that I consider paladins a spellcasting class because of this. And you went, that's weird, I don't like it. And I went, well, I mean, it's what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that is, paladins, I consider them as spell, spellcasters. just, you know. Whereas I
0: consider paladins fighters who happen to be able to cast spells in a very limited capacity. Much yeah. like the, uh, rogue archetype, the arcane trickster, is a thief who happens to be able to cast spells in a very limited capacity.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, I had to kind of, because in to Earth. Mages are just people who are able to use magic. There are different schools of magic. There's healing magic, there's necromancy, there's um, elemental magic there's this, there's that. You know, there are different areas one may choose to be magical in but, um, there aren't really like, warlocks, wizards, sorcerers, there's not really much different definition between them. It's just sort of, you have magic, you can use it you use it how you see fit. Um, and here's a school to go to to learn magic. Um, is it you know. like I guess Hogwarts, the, or yeah. is it
0: like The Circle?
1: I've always said that it's kind of between the two. It's certainly an optional oh, is thing. It's like The
0: Worst Witch, then?
1: It is! It's like The Worst Witch. Yeah, no, it is. It's like The Worst Witch. It's an optional thing. If you want to, you can go. You get full funding, tuition is paid, but you don't have to if you don't want to. It just depends on whether you a lot of people do take the opportunity though because being a mage means, you know, opportunities to go adventuring and maybe get your fortune that way. It means access to good jobs. It's basically like being handed a free pass to like the best univers the best universe in your country. Okay? Th- think of it that way. Wow. Um it- yeah, it's like being like, okay, you can go to Cambridge or Oxford or Durham, I guess.
0: I love these scholarships based on, like, birthright. Yeah. I'm not fucked up at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this this isn't, like, scholarship based on, like, because your dad was rich. This is based on, because if you go, like, uncontrolled, you could literally, like, level an entire city. So we're just like, hey, free and housing. You know, which for, like, a poor kid from, like, the farmlands is probably, like, a really, like... Oh man, that's a really cool idea. That's awesome. I mean, obviously there are magical families and there are families who do kind of... Like Darius in the game is from one of them. One of the players, Darius is, Matt's character, is from a magical family. But like, it's not a big deal if you end up with like a non-magic... You know, like having no magic... There's no shame in not having any magic and there's no shame in having magic, basically. The fun thing about all of this Unless, stuff... of course, that's your family's issues. It's the worst witch.
0: The fun thing about all of this stuff in Beth's game is that Asriel is the perfect um, ask stupid reader questions character, because unless the question is about nomads or pirates, he didn't know shit. So like Beth will explain it to me, because my character wouldn't know, and then everybody knows, and we don't have to get into the awkward questions of um, getting players rooted in your uh, game world. Oh, real briefly, getting players rooted in your game world. We were going to talk about Jay. Um, Yes. So, at least the way I like to do it is your player characters should have some kind of origin in your game world. Maybe they don't come from one of the countries you've mapped out yet, and that's fine. When you do come to map out that country, I guess you'll do it based on what you know about that character, but... I don't like having player characters who are just sort of like weirdly invading aliens who don't have any connection to the land at all. And are just... Like, that's better as a storytelling device for those players because obviously those players aren't expected to know anything, but it's bullshit and it doesn't make any sense. So Mm. generally, actually, what I like to do if there's a bard is just have the bard know stories about everything and just use the (laughs) bard as a storytelling conduit. But otherwise, you tend to have a like each character has a background and you know in, in my game for like for Balasar that's easy because he comes from Shearscale Pass he is a dragonborn that is where you come from if you are a dragonborn uh, mm. but the rest of you like um Marianne is from Meslin uh, Silas is from Varash where he was in the court of a noble and that's interesting because nobles pretend they have power but actually don't and mm. Jay is from the Isle of Bells right yeah but one of our favorite things to do in world building is that we keep giving Jay more (laughs) half-siblings.
1: Yes. (laughs) I mean,
0: like, I'm sure if you went and plotted out, like, gestation periods alongside how old Wanda is, it would be like, this doesn't work. Jay shouldn't have this many, like, non-related half-siblings. But they do. So what are you going to do? It's dead fun to do because... Like, we can have Jay have a sibling somewhere that just sort of characterizes that place. For instance, Jay has a sibling in Urbina Valley. And I was like, okay, Urbina Valley is a very multicultural place, so that's the best place for a half-elf to live in the Empire. But also, half-elves have this weird thing where, like, in the Empire, you're not a citizen automatically, but if your elvish parent was an elven citizen, you can basically petition the, uh, the government to give you citizenship. And you can't pass that on to your children, because your children won't be elves But you can, like, live as a half-elf, and that would be fine. I remember in 2nd edition, like, somewhere, it said that half-elves only remain half-elves as long as they have 50% or more elvish blood. Like, the moment the child, like, the child of a half-elf and a human will be a human. Mm. But then it never really explained whether you could breed back to elves by, like, constantly having progressively more elvish half-elves just constantly mate with elves or if you would always be very slightly off. Yeah, I think I, I you'd probably always works. just
1: be... Well, it's it's like when you are uh, perhaps, you know, your parent was one race, and another parent was another race, and maybe you married, you know, like, you would, ne- you would always have the genes of...
0: You would, but would they, like, present? Because there's a whole load of people um, in, say, America who can trace lineage back to um, indigenous peoples, but they themselves, yeah, I, I, and they don't I, have any I, cultural connection, and that they don't have any like visible racial connection either.
1: I, I mean, I think you'd probably be able to tell, perhaps on like a a very subtle scale, maybe if that makes sense. Like, you might be able to tell, like someone who was an expert might be able to, like an expert in genetics might be able to tell, if that makes sense.
0: Elvish genetic expert, right? Amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, elvish genetic experts. But
0: anyway, that's neither here um, nor there, and especially since I don't believe that's yeah. a rule in 5th edition. I'm not actually sure if yeah. half-elves can even have children, so that might not be the, the be a problem.
1: I would think they could. I, I've been sort of like, if... I mean, I know, I know in 2-Earth that humans and elves can't make babies. That's a thing that definitely can't happen. Like, so half-elves can't exist. I've decided half-elves, ha- half-elves can't elves exist. Half-elves and gnomes
0: um, are your off-the-table um, races, right? D-
1: well... That, that wood wood elves and drow drow as well. Although you can use wood elves on a technicality, so I do allow wood elves now, because I had a thought about it. But drow, norms and um, half elves.
0: See, in Um, my case, I'm like, you can be a high elf or a wood elf, but that's, like, a genetic distinction that changes your um, preoccupation for, like, particular skills and stuff it doesn't actually yeah. display physically all elves look. Like, they have the same amount of, of racial diversity, diversity as humans, yeah. but they're all elves.
1: Yeah, I think the the difference being would be um in Two Earth, wood elves are a bit more humany, if that makes sense, to an extent. At least the way humans live, they're a bit more like them. But humans in Two Earth are very, like, they enjoy nature and the outdoors and hunting and stuff like that. And that's what wood elves are into. Um, so high elves kind of consider wood elves a bit primitive in that aspect. They're like, why aren't you in your gilded golden cities with your long luxurious hair and your velvet clothes? Velvet? That would be heavy. Satin clothes. Um, you know, why are you rolling around in the mud, you dirty little shit face? And they're like, mud's fun, in it, right? Basically, basically, Wood Elves are Sarah from Dragon Age and High Elves are Solace from Dragon wow. Age. <laughs> the thing I like is
0: um, in 5th edition they went to great pains to try and make humans interesting, or like make humans good, rather. <laughs> like, yeah. humans get a really, really good bonus, a pair of bonuses, actually. You, you can either take a feat and buff yeah. two of your um, stats, or you buff all of your stats by one. And which one is better to yeah. take will depend on how you rolled and assigned your stats at the beginning. Because it's mm. more important to get your stats over a stat threshold than it is just to buff them. But yeah. in most cases, the universal stat buff is really, really good. And so <laughs> I kind of wanted to make humans kind of uh, vaguely mysterious. In the Dawn yeah. Sumber, uh, Dragonborn were created by Jekorax. Elves were created mm. by the old gods and half-elves. Came from them and humans. Uh, gnomes are were probably created, or, or at least like tended as a people by the uh, the the seven um, god kings of Relend. Tieflings had some kind of demonic lineage, uh, which is how they split off. Halflings came uh, out of the the countryside and out of the holes in, in in the north. Orcs were created by the goddess Plissia in the far south in Varash just in a glade somewhere, very, very Mm. early on. But fucking humans, man. Where did humans come from? Why are there all these humans here?
2: Yeah. What the the hell? Humans, how do they work? Humans
0: are the the mysterious species, and nobody knows how they work or where they came from, but there's a fuck ton of them here. And maybe that will be answered at some point, but I kind of like having humans just be like... Humans are just here, and we have to deal with them
1: somehow. Yeah. I think in my... like. Uh, so the fair created the elves first and the elves were glorious and beautiful and resplendent um and they lived forever and they were beautiful and their language was beautiful and their culture was beautiful and then one day the fair just were like nah so like we're going now so you guys just deal with this on your own um enjoy living for like 100 plus years and aging that's going to be fun for you guys and the elves were like shit wait what so that's a thing that happened in between that time dwarves kind of popped up from the mountains and they started building things and crafting things like dwarves are the artifices in two earth that's why gnomes don't exist there's not really a place for gnomes according to 5th edition I was like well gnomes are just shorter dwarves then so what's the point See, um, I actually so, like, like dwar- very
0: deliberately made that so that dwarves are artificers but dwarves are like magical and yeah the, the way i did it was that dwarves are like heavy into aesthetic artifice and they will use <laughs> uh, magic to fix everything whereas gnomes yeah. like, obviously it depends on which uh, god king if you live in Roland, that you worship but gnomes tend to try and marry magic and uh, technology together and they take a much more like engineering focused view of it mm. whereas dwarves just like mining and they like making pretty things like big yeah. arches and doorways and shit yeah but they are well, very similar like, yeah yeah
1: D- dwarves in of T- they're very secretive and they all live in this one big mountain that's um kind of in the middle of like the like central human kingdom and that's where all the dwarves live there are no more dwarves except in that one specific mountain and they all live inside there underground, um, doing something. No one. We know they're doing something, but no one knows what. In the actual Two Earth book, no one's seen a dwarf. Like, in the book, no one has seen a dwarf for, like, thousands of years, and everyone thinks they're dead. Hmm. But, like, I didn't want that to be that way for the game. So, occasionally, a dwarf will pop out, and maybe they're on some kind of life quest, or whatever, or they're just sort of seeing the world for the first time, and you know, they've, they've got like, leave to kind of leave the mountain. But they're very secretive dwarves, and you don't see a lot of them. They're uncommon.
0: Oh, wow. That means um. there's, like, three of them in a pack.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: it's funny, because I'm pretty sure Beth didn't get that joke.
1: No, I got it! It was a Magic the Gathering joke, right? See, if you're
0: going to talk about comics, like, all the way through the fucking podcast... I'm gonna kick it up with the Magic the Gathering jokes.
1: I know, I know, I know. We're going to anyway, we have to cut all
0: this out, and probably the whole like Marvel expanded universe thing is gonna be like a supplementary and all.
1: It is. It's gonna be supplementary. Anyway,
0: maybe if we want to wrap it up a bit, because we're getting up to an hour and forty minutes now, and <sighs> I need to edit. I this. know,
1: but you know, you're talking. I'm talking about my universe. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm I know. Talking, on, I love talking about... Okay, halflings are kind of. I don't really know how ex- because like halflings don't exist in the books. So I've just decided they exist, but I don't know why they're there. But they exist. And maybe I think, a lot like tieflings, they might be an offshoot from humans for whatever different reason. You know, they've kind of evolved separately, but they are human-y enough to be considered human-like, if that makes sense. But I basically, I don't fucking know why halflings are there. I just, I like halflings enough that I've included them. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, gnomes. Um, <laughs> whereas tieflings are humans who have some kind of Fairness in them and are like changelings you know you have a baby and then after a while you notice this baby's a bit funny and slowly it turns into a tiefling baby um over a period of time it tieflingifies um and that's kind of considered horrendous and bad and you don't want to have a tiefling as a child so a lot of cultures don't like tieflings and send them off to go live somewhere or leave them in the mountains to die um so I guess it's always fun playing a tiefling in a uh, Earth because you get an inherently tragic backstory tacked on. And also you're scary all the time.
0: I don't know what it's like to play a tiefling in Dawn Summer because nobody ever has done. And there's been, like, one tiefling <laughs> who has ever turned up. Yeah. And he died.
1: I, yeah. Man, poor justice. Anyway, and then you've got what have, orcs and half-orcs. Like, orcs and half-orcs are kind of considered the same side of the different coin, really like if you have a half orc like everyone kind of considers them to be an orc like like culturally speaking so there's really no distinction between an orc and a half orc in that term but they have been around for a long time but they're newer than humans but they're not that new um and they kind of they they some of them live tribally in like mountains and forests and stuff but the urban orcs are all business owners basically like if you have a barkeep in 2 Earth, they're probably in they're probably an orc or a half orc, or it's probably run by a half orc orc family, because that's that's just what they do.
0: Booze.
1: Yeah, they they like to you know they're blacksmiths, they're innkeepers, they run hotels. There's one that runs a specifically orc gear bar in um, Celesti, where yeah you, you you have to are there like, that's, orc that's,
0: I think I asked this question before, but now I'm asking it on the podcast where everyone can hear.
1: See, I wouldn't know what an orc twink was like, so...
0: Well, think of it. These are the questions that you have to ask yourself when you are world-building for your D&D scenario. Are there orc twinks?
1: Are there orc twinks? I would say, yeah, but what an orc considers a twink is very different to human standards of a twink.
0: Anything smaller than orcs, then.
1: Yeah, so like, um, like, uh, like the elf definition of a bear is obviously very different to a human or orc definition of a bear. Elf definition like of an a bear is like... like
0: anything bigger than a wolf.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like an actual Whereas, wolf, not
0: like a weird metaphor.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, like like an orc's definition of a bear is like a literal like bear. Mm. Like you're like yeah, you can't get bear, you can't get bearier than that. So that's a that's what a hmm. bear is. That's another question to ask yourself. Are there
0: were-bear twinks? Is that a thing?
1: No! Actually, no, yes. Absolutely, that's a thing that exists. Right? Because you're like, twink by night, bear by day? What? No. Sorry, twink by day, bear by night. I have no idea
0: if this is staying in the podcast. It probably will.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, and then, what's the last, I know I'm missing a race, Dragonborn. So then you've got Dragonborn, and Dragonborn exists, and Dragonborn can actually breed with orcs and make like
0: horrifying babies.
1: <laughs> Orcborn. Dragon Yeah, like, yeah, I mean you're like 'cause Dragonborn give birth to live young. They don't lay eggs in to Earth. I'm putting that out there right now, right? No eggs for Dragonborn. That's what separates them from lizard fork. <laughs> The lizard folk, they definitely lay eggs. And they taste delicious.
0: See, I always had a trouble separating dragonborn and half-dragons. Like, fuck half-dragons. Half-dragons yeah. are a terrible idea. Well, no,
1: don't do don't, half-dragons. Well, you can't half-dragons, fuck half-dragons. Because that's how this problem you, got started in the first place. You can't fuck
0: half-dragons in Dawn summer because they don't fucking exist.
1: Yeah, half-dragons are
0: Shit, half-dragons is all this bollocks about dragons turning into humans and fucking mortal women and shit. They're not having yeah. that, no. No, dragons no. can't, well, I mean like some dragons probably could if they wanted to turn into humans because they're like powerful spellcasters but no, as a whole dragons do not like to do that not even yeah. good dragons think, of which there are like as three because yeah, good dragons are discussed- bullshit and all
1: <laughs> Yeah, as I've discussed in 2 dragons are really, really apathetic to the affairs of humans mm-hmm. and have been around for a really long time they're as old as fair pretty much though um, well, they are as old as fair what am I on about? But they're not fair, they're dragons. But they're just really, they really don't care. They're like... They uh... aren't
0: allowed to make all dragons evil, or at least most dragons evil. Um, there are, yeah. there, there's, exi- there's, there's proof of the existence of some good dragons in the, the myth about yeah. uh, Jekorax. But dragons were, yeah. on the whole, created by Skedrenth, who is literally the devil. And as such, they are basically yeah. demons, but native to the material plane. Mm. So, yeah, because good dragons are bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. at best, what you're going to come out with is a dragon who does not particularly care what happens to you to the point where you could have a civil conversation and maybe even a business transaction with him. (laughs) And everything would work out pretty well and you would go away feeling like, oh, okay, that was a good interaction with a dragon because I didn't die and I gained some kind of material advantage for having done so.
1: I think, um, yeah, but... Anyway, when you're kind of folding a world to fit a D&D scenario, it's sort of about going, what do I like best about my world? So what do I want to keep? I liked my neutral dragons. I like dragons that weren't outright evil and weren't outright malevolent. I liked, you know, the fact that, oh, I can have... I liked, I liked my elves. I was like, this is the way elf culture is. But I went, I'm kind of willing to put things like Dragonborn in. I'm willing to put things like Tiefling in. Um, and I'm willing to have dwarves have a slightly more visible presence um, to the point where a player could be a dwarf and it not be completely, like, it not be the weirdest thing in the world. But still kind of unusual. And I- I'm willing to put halflings in because why not? But I kind of went, had to go at one point. There's no place for these things, really. And I do like the aesthetic of drow, but I'm like, there's no real point of having them in here anywhere. So why have I them? I fucking hate drow.
0: Get get rid of all (laughs) the drow. I don't want them in my setting. I don't want them. No, no, no.
1: Yeah. And then at some point I had to go, I have to keep all the magical classes in and all the different types of classes in because otherwise I break the fucking game. But I can still have my different human cultures. I can still have my nomads. I can still have the different gods and I can still have the society and stuff. And then I kind of vague kind of talk about, like, the different countries. Even though you're mainly only in, like, the Europe-based bit, Um, you might eventually go to a different country. It depends on where Jordan's character arc goes and where your character arc goes, essentially. But it's like, okay, I can definitely do this and keep it contained to here and I can have this bit that I don't like and I can put this bit... I can take this bit of Dungeons & Dragons out and have this bit instead... And it depends on what works, because I don't really like to fuck about with the mechanics of the game that much. I don't like to do that, because I think someone worked very hard to balance this. I don't want to put my dumbass hands in and break everything, you know? It's like seeing a house of cards, and it's like, someone worked really hard on that. They probably don't need me knocking it over.
0: So would you say that, like, Game to Earth is maybe, like, an Elseworlds of, like, uh story to earth
1: it's like an yeah. au yeah it's an au what's happening is the current campaign uh metatextually is all of these characters in the book telling playing dungeons and dragons mm.
0: <laughs> you'll have to think then like who all of us are
1: i it's know like, yeah that'd which be really characters funny are playing
0: which characters is in the game yeah that would be interesting
1: yeah i feel like uh, amelia's probably playing Azriel.
0: Okay, um, I haven't read your yeah. book, so I don't know what that means. But... I
1: know, no, no one's read the book. Someone fucking finished. I've only read one fucking paragraph of it. That's why no one's read the book.
0: But you have a whole load of notes, right? Do I fuck? You have the capacity to <laughs> write a whole load of notes. You know about shit. Beyond I have the that, capacity to write... paragraph.
1: Yeah. No. Which is. I, you. I, you might meet Amelia. Actually, you're going to where she lives. So I don't see why not. No. So... Yeah, but then it's, like, there are self-inserts in that hmm. case. I feel like the dungeon master's definitely, like, one of the gods and has, like, forcibly trapped all of, like, the players I there. I am the god
0: of nerds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm I also I happen to be... It, it's Sinus. It's definitely Sinus. I'm like, I happen to be the god of sarcasm and wit, but I'm also the god of fucking nerds. So we're going to fucking play some Dungeons and Dragons and you're going to fucking like it. And they're all like, oh, God, I can't believe XB Loki kidnapped us again. And he's like, shut up.
0: I think maybe we've uh, reached the end of...
1: We've reached the end. Yeah.
0: So, um, that was House of Bards. There wasn't actually as much meat in this topic as I was expecting there to be. I think because, like... Uh,
1: it's not so much there wasn't as much meat, it's that we got distracted. Well, we did, but it's
0: also like...
1: And then we couldn't remember what we were talking about. Oh, no, about. I was just
0: being deliberately facetious. I knew exactly what we were talking about. Um, I think the the issue yeah. is that this topic is important to talk about, I think, in a sort of roundup way. But essentially, it's what the whole podcast is about. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. it's kind of just what we talk about in general. Like, you want to see any particular facet of world building, go and listen to the episode about it. We've got episodes yeah, on technology like, and magic and technology versus magic and religion and villains and stuff. Lots of stuff. NPCs and, yeah. and all that.
1: Yeah, like, look, here's just a quick rundown of what you should be thinking about. Tone, genre, and then, like, technology level. Yeah. And we have a whole episode on technology. And there's... But those but are like even the stuff... For me, the three like, even basics. Even the stuff about,
0: like, towns and whatever. And, and I know I've repeated myself on that. It's like, yeah. this entire podcast is essentially about this topic. So, yeah, you know, uh, maybe, hopefully, this episode was a little bit more short-form, but uh, really yeah. just listen to the whole podcast for ideas on, mm. on that.
1: Yeah, but, like, if you want to think about three things to focus on, think about the genre, think about the sort of theme and general tone of your world, or the campaign you want to run, the story you want mm-hmm. to tell, and then also the technology level, which is super fucking important. I mean, it's the kind of thing that's obviously to,
0: like, avoid... Unless you're fucking Pathfinder. (laughs) Just naming those names right there. Pathfinder is bullshit. That might not stay in. Anyway, uh, so this has been House of Uh, Bards. I've been Alex.
1: And I've been Beth. You
0: can contact us at various social media uh, using links that I will put below. I think we've repeated them on the podcast enough that it's, you know. Yeah. um, Yeah. The music is by Kevin MacLeod which I like to say, even though you presumably also know that, because I'm never entirely sure what the uh, legal precedent for using his music is. Um, please don't sue us, Kevin. Um, but Kevin I, so- I don't think I, I don't. Kevin th- MacLeod like would sue us. I think that Kevin McLeod would look at our use of his music and think that it would be entirely like fair. And it's not like yeah. you don't know who Kevin McLeod is. Most of you listening will know of Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and his yeah, most giant of, library most of, of, you- of uh, free-for-use um, music. He's yeah. very good.
1: Like, mo- most of you have probably used his- your free-for-use music in your media productions um,
0: for, like, school or something.
1: Assignment yeah. work for your college or university stuff. Because mm-hmm. I know for a fact at least one of you will, like, do a media class. Because if you're p- listening to this podcast, I'll be real with you right now, you're a fucking geek. Eh. And you know it. We know it, you well, maybe know
0: you're it. you're a, li- a literature geek or a media geek, so you'll be doing those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll yeah. know. If you've ever watched an episode of uh, Minecraft Super Hostile, you've heard um, Kevin MacLeod's music. They love using Kevin MacLeod's music. I will put who the uh, background art was in the description because I haven't chosen it yet. As always,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we do these on very yeah. short notice now. And um,
1: yeah, it... like for example, last week it was me, and I didn't even know it was going to be me. I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Mm-hmm.
0: Who knows who will be this time? Maybe it will be just a, a public domain image on Wikimedia. Maybe yeah. I will ask uh, Carmen for something again. Who yeah. knows? Anyway, um, Who knows? if you want to get in contact with us, you can post a comment below the video or you can use the hashtag House of Bars. That's all one word on Twitter. That is three words on Tumblr and anywhere else that will support like spaces and hashtags. Um, beyond that, I think that's us. So we will see you next week.
1: And next week, join us for a very spooky, episode oh yeah
0: that's happening Uh, the Halloween episode is next week
1: Join us next time for House of Bards, Treehouse of Horror One. I mean, Texas Chainsaw I f- Massacre. I feel it's it's
0: very optimistic that this podcast will see multiple Halloweens.
1: I, I mean, it's possible at least poss- any- Look, anything's possible. Jeremy Corbyn won the Labour lead. Yeah, but I already explained contest. on the podcast anything's why possible? that happened. Yeah, that yeah, that wasn't a surprise. Not really? No. Bernie Sanders could be the next president. Now oh, that that's a fucking less, surprise. Less that's likely, actually, that's but still shocking. Possible. It's still possible. You're right. I need to think of something impossible. Yeah. Donald Trump could be the next president of the United States. Now that's that, very, also
0: very unlikely, but still unnervingly possible. I think
1: mean, that's that's unlike, I think that I think that's uh more unlikely than us lasting a year, right? I hope so. Did did I phrase that correctly? Yeah. Look, if Donald Trump becomes president, that's it. This show's doomed, okay?
0: Yeah. D- Donald Trump <laughs> himself will actually, like, enforce. I mean,
1: he'll ensure nothing ever, ever good happens ever yeah. again. He'll so just it's make like... the,
0: the UK government shut us down.
1: Yeah. Like, we know, like, come on, let's face it for a fact. As soon as he. Like, you know how, like, Nostradamus predicted that, like, there was, like, going to be a third guy that ended the world? I'm betting it's Donald Trump. Beth, is Donald Trump on
0: the list of people you are going to fight, along with Dan Didio and Warner Brothers lawyers and literally Shakespeare and the man who we do not speak about?
1: I don't know, because I actually feel like Donald Trump's crazy enough to take me out. I feel like Donald Trump could punch me and probably lay me out for quite some while. And I think he would actually punch me. Like, here's the thing. I think Dan Didio's a gentleman enough to not hit a girl until, like, I hit him. By which time, I'll have got, like, the one up on him. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, I feel like, like, I said, you know, Shakespeare again. He's, like, crazy enough to just be like, um, Thou wants to fight with me, I'm gonna, you know, knock you out. And I feel like, you know, like, I think Lab- I think Shakespeare could knock a Labrador out in one punch. So it's like... You could definitely knock me out in one go.
0: How are we getting off But definitely in the sign off. That's it. That's House of Bards. <laughs> the podcast is over now. Go and play outside. Or
1: go I won't fight Don- go Donald, to Donald Trump, Trump because look, D&D. If I sell fight Donald Trump, I think he'd actually fight me. This is the thing. <laughs> All right, so the
0: takeaway from this episode is that Beth is afraid that Donald Trump is actually going to fight her. <laughs>
1: I'd, like, I think even if I didn't challenge him, right, I think one day he'd just be like, I want to fight Good a fat bye. British girl, and he'd find me, and he'd beat me up. I think that's something that would happen. Okay, bye, guys. See you next week Bye. Halloween. <laughs>